welcome to the Power of Perspective with Stephen Ritchie podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and today we have an exciting episode that will ignite your wanderlust and open your eyes to the transformative power of travel. Joining us is a special guest, Al, an experienced Kentucky tour manager with passion for creating unforgettable group tour travel experience. In this episode, we'll embark on the adventure to uncover the magic of group travel, exploring the thrill of discovering new destinations with a close-knit community of fellow travelers, from forging lifelong friendships to gaining fresh insights. Get ready to be inspired by the extraordinary world of travel and the invaluable experience it brings. Al, it is so wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. So good to see you again, Stephen. It's been a few months. The tour experience I had, you know, has stayed very fresh in my mind. Was, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went on this Kentucky. It was kind of a big leap. I haven't traveled necessarily that much. And my people around me and friends don't travel that much. And I went on this tour and I was quite cautious and a little worried and stuff. And yeah, then, you know, you were the manager and we went through Southeast Asia and it was so like eye-opening and just super fun. And it's an experience that for me just kind of changed my ideas a bit around traveling. Now, you know, I want to do more of it. Travel itself, what it can offer to our lives. It's really a profound thing. Oh, I fully agree. Yeah, it's such a good way to put it. It's, we're very privileged to be able to explore the world. Tell us a bit about yourself, Elle. So I am originally from New Zealand. I've bounced around quite a few countries to call them my home. I've lived in Australia and the United States, and now I live in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, so I'm kind of a world nomad myself. Um, and I actually got into tourism beginning of 2018. I actually started working for Kentucky. Uh, before that, I was a corporate gal working in insurance, and I used to be a dance and yoga instructor. So very random background did 16 years in hospitality just happened to be on a Kentucky trip um, around Southeast Asia in 2017 fell in love with Asia fell in love with Kentucky as a company and thought let's give this a go and the rest is history five years on and I'm still here <laughs> so what got you to take the initial stages to to travel take that leap because your your life you know took quite a transition when it happened so you know what sort of led to that I mean before I had always traveled a little bit here and there um, I was lucky that we traveled a bit when I was a child however when I became an adult you know the weight of the world goes on your shoulders and you feel like you need to get married and have kids and settle down and buy the house. So my travel kind of came a little bit later in life. When I was 26, I booked my first trip. It was actually a very common Kentucky story. It was after a breakup. I had just ended a four-year relationship. I had given up my life for this other person in my life. And then I decided, you know, I need to do something for me. What's something I can do? And so I got online and I booked a trip. And yeah, it just kind of opened this whole new world that you know i can solo travel i can meet new people i can you know go overseas and not be scared and that was the beauty of having kentucky to curate that and from there it just kind of blossomed and do you think through this transition and sort of travel experiences you've changed as a person oh 100 um before i think we all get caught up in that rat race of like you know feeling that pressure of you need to you know find the promotion get the house da, 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 all those things i said before I, I think that's a lot of pressure in our world and when i 
came over, especially to Asia, it might be different in other regions, but Asia is a very, um, in certain places, a very relaxed culture. And it's more about community and family and just kind of living for the day. So it, it kind of evolved into that where my whole perspective on like forcing these things to happen and my need to get these milestones. Now I just kind of relax into things and just take life as it is. It's great. It's so much better. Yeah, even the lifestyles must be very different going from nine to five, maybe quite corporate life to this busy moving around the whole time, you know, lots of different people, maybe an extra. Oh, absolutely. Very extreme. You know, I'm not sitting at a desk all day typing up reports. Um, (laughs) Even though my hours are longer, I don't really have like a clock off time, kind of 24 hours. The joy I get out of work is phenomenal. Like I never had this kind of job fulfillment before. So Southeast Asia, what drew you there? Why there in particular? The world's a big place. Oh, the world is a big place and there's still so much more I need to explore. Southeast Asia just kind of captured me and it's like the cultural beauty of it. Um, The people are so lovely. It's vibrant. It feels electric over here. There's always something kind of going on. And then you have the beautiful nature and the food's just amazing. It's just so rich in its culture and it keeps a lot of traditions alive where I think we don't always in our own like background as much. But it was just such a fresh kind of perspective on life. And it just drew me in. Experiencing it myself to some degree now, I must say. It's a very different world, but really cool. The food, the people was amazing. And there are strong sense tradition coming Mm. from, you know, living from a Western place myself, going to this Asian sort of Southeast Asia culture with this kind of rich history and, you know, specific ways people are and interact, community feel. It's really kind of eye-opening. Yeah, and I mean, obviously it's not for everyone. Some people have that bit of a culture shock when they get here, but other people do connect with it, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, so would you say travel is for everyone? I actually don't think it is. I have friends from back home that for them, they they would freak out. They have anxiety over instability, being outside their comfort zone. And for them, I think some places would be too overwhelming. Do I think everyone should travel? Thousand percent. I don't think everyone would appreciate it the same way. Uh, some people are very encased in their bubble, and I think for them to exit that is quite hard. But I, I do think everyone at some point should try to travel, try to push themselves outside their little bubble. It completely changes everything. Even if you don't enjoy where you go, you're going to come back home appreciating what you have. So you're always going to have a positive regardless. You move into group tours and what keeps you kind of passionate and drives you towards working in this this line? I think I have this very cheesy way of describing it, but it's the best way I can kind of describe what I do. It's like um, when parents give a gift to their children on Christmas Day or you're giving a gift to a loved one or something like that. I know what's in the gift. I know exactly what's in there. I just can't wait for them to open it up and seeing people open these presence and just in awe of something they don't know what to expect and they're just having this beautiful memory made that's what keeps me motivated like i see the same place hundreds of times for me it doesn't get me as excited but when i look around and i can see someone capturing that moment someone having the beautiful memory being formed you know sharing this experience with others that is a thousand percent what i what i live for that's why i keep going in this job yeah you get to experience and even make happen those moments that will sit with you know people you're helping them reach their their travel goals just get enlightened in life and take something away that 
really lost. Um, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I even had that when I first traveled. I still remember my very first Kentucky trip. Um, and I remember those little moments. I'll never forget them. If I can get someone to have one of those moments, job done. Why would you say traveling with a group of people versus traveling on your own kind of offers to the table? How do those two sort of compare? I mean, I think there's always the argument of like, why would you book a group travel? You can do it yourself. Yeah, totally. You could absolutely do it yourself. You could go and stay in hostels and, you know, rent a bike and go around yourself. But what you're missing is the element of the social travel, making those connections with people that you probably would not encounter in your everyday life, whether they be five minutes down the road from you and you've never met them or someone across the globe. You're going to form this insane bond that no one else can really describe because you are sharing this unique adventure together. You start off as strangers on the first day and by the end, you know, you see people form these lifelong connections where they're inviting each other to weddings or they are like a couple that get together on a trip or friends that just have Christmas together or just even keeping in contact once a year. It's still these unique bonds that you don't get to experience as a solo traveler because when you stay in a hostel, you might know someone for two days before they move on. This one, everyone's kind of collectively forming these memories together. Would you say it's an easy process for someone to kind of foster that getting to know people and connecting with people and as you say forming these longer bonds is that sort of an easy just intuitive process that just always happens or does it depend or does it take proactive effort? Like what does it take to connect while you travel with people? I think some people can get stuck in their head a little bit because they're so used to being, you know, when you're at home, usually your topics of conversation are, you know, where are you from? Like, you know, what school did you go to? Where do you work? Those kind of like very local kind of questions. When you go overseas, people don't really ask or they don't, if you say you went to so-and-so school or you work at this specific location, like people don't connect with that. So you're going to have to dig deeper to find a way to connect with someone. You're having to be more authentically you without relying on kind of like the titles around you of, you know, mutual friends or family members you might know or job work environments. Uh, so I think it's a really beautiful thing where some people just need to figure out how to get a little bit deeper. There are people who are a bit more introverted and shy and that's also okay. Like, it's never to force people to be friends. I think it's just to discover yourself. And then if you discover other people along the way, beautiful. Yeah. And do you think kind of groups also enable certain types of more unique experience that you may not yeah, get Yeah. I mean, yeah. when we go to a bar, we are the party. When we go out, we are the vibe. Like having a whole group of just like sometimes up to 35 people in a space and we just take over this place and, you know, the bartender tenders love it and being with a reputable company like Kentucky or other ones the trip managers we foster and build those relationships so that when we go in they're going to treat us well they're going to make sure that the group is looked after and safe and then we just have these places that you may not find on your own like that's part of my work is to find these off the beat places that maybe you're not even on Google and you get to experience that with a whole bunch of new people which I think is great no you're in it together with people right do you have any sort of favorite or just kind of memories that highlight 
this sense of camaraderie and just group effect and enjoyment from trips you've been on? I mean, it's there's no like one specific one because there's multiple of the same where I um, we have WhatsApp chats um, that we're all in and I see them still going off. Like today I have one that's still going off from a trip that was like last year. Seeing the people like get together, they will randomly just chat in there or someone will be like, hey, I'm in Melbourne. Hey, I'm coming to New York. Hey, and then all of a sudden there's this Kentucky reunion and you just, you're like, wow, it's come full circle. Like now you're in each other's home. You've gone from Asia to there. And I have couples that are still together. It's beautiful to watch them grow. And some of them have been together for a few years. But yeah, you just see everyone like take away something, not just culturally, but like on a personal friendship level. And I think that's really, really beautiful to watch. No, that's amazing. People can get some close friends and keep that with them. So you have this gift that goes far beyond just the constraints of your trip. Mm. Oh, it's, it's not just, you know, showing them Angkor Wat and taking them to waterfalls. And they're like, I got some good photos. It, when they think about going there, I hope that they also think, oh, remember when so-and-so was with us and we, we jumped off this um, waterfall? And oh, remember when we were just all like staring out the sunrise over Angkor Wat together you know it's it's a shared collective memory that people will have rather than just a solo thing that you experience that sometimes it's hard when you go back home and try to communicate that because people care about travel but they also I find are quite envious so they care just enough before they turn to jealousy so having those people you shared it with you can constantly talk about those memories and they're never going to get sick of it <laughs> your experience in the group environment your first trip versus like you know being a seasoned contiguous manager how does that transition over time I think my first trip I'll still I mean I remember most of my trips to be fair first trip you were so nervous because you realize that you have the weight of you know up to 35 people's expectations dreams hopes nerves everything in your hands and you have to pull out a good trip so you are you know second guessing everything you're saying you're doing you know you haven't seen everything during training so there's a few things that might be completely blind to you you've not dealt with certain situations or emergencies you're the fear of unknown you just don't know what you don't know yet and now that you know I'm further down the line you just kind of back yourself. There's this confidence that, you know, if things go wrong and they do, you can come up with a solution. You're able to think on your feet a lot better. And if you do get thrown curveballs, you can either research it well enough to get your way out or you can make a good contingency plan. Yeah. And so let's talk about from your active role of creating a sense of camaraderie and shared adventure. How do you implement that? How, how do you actively enable that to happen? The first day I, you know, don't judge people, but I definitely judge everyone in the sense of what type of travelers are going to be because each group is so different. Um, I might have a much more quieter group or I might have a very loud party group. So I quickly adapt the trip to suit the majority and then focus it down on more of the individuals that might be off the shoots of what the group is. So trying to find a filter that will bond the group. So if they're a wild party group, I'm going to be looking for more bars, like drinking games, stuff like that to that's how they're going to bond. I can tell. Otherwise, if it's more of a like culturally significant group where they are just really interested in seeing tons of sites, I might give them extra sites to look at. I might say, hey guys, why don't we all go collectively to this one place and try to get them together excited about like maybe a new temple or a viewpoint or something like that. Uh, so it's just trying to cultivate from the majority's vibe and then mold the trip around that. And that usually tends to bond people. I'll play games. If I'm speaking to someone and I notice someone's 
was a bit on the outside of the group. I usually try to find the connection. I'm like, oh, did you know that so-and-so is also doing that? Or did you know so-and-so also traveled there? You should ask them about it. They know so much. Just trying to find those little things to help out. I know that we had routines or things that kind of created a bit of camaraderie, a bit of team games. You had this uh, song, <laughs> the Ting Ting Ting. <laughs> the Ting Ting oh, song, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk us through the thoughts of kind of creating a song that you're kind of getting more and more into and, you know, evolving and just having those kind of ongoing patterns, you know, things that everyone's in on. I mean, with Kentucky, kind of a tradition with Kentucky itself is having a day song. So every group, I try to have a new day song and that is their song. Every morning before I even talk, the day song is played. So even if you're hungover, you're tired or whatever, the day song is being blasted. And, you know, it, hopefully when you go back home and that song comes on or you have it on your Spotify, you know, it just transports you back to your trip. You're like, oh my gosh, this is our day song. And I hear people today, like even some of my friends who went on Tiki's, they will hear their day song and they're like, oh my God, this is my day song. And I can tell like, even if they didn't like the song, it brings them back and they just have all these memories flooded. And um, with the <laughs> wake up song, that is something that I do. Um, <laughs> the Ting Ting song, I just, I wanted something that was a bit more Southeast Asian. I used to use another song and I think it was good and all, but I found the Vietnamese C Tin is the name of it. And I just thought it was so annoyingly catchy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. you know what? There's a whole TikTok dance to this. And I made, changed the TikTok dance a little bit. So it was a bit easier. I was like, you know what? Let's get everyone involved in this. It's going to be so funny because no one else will really play it outside of Asia. So you're going to have to put it on and then you learn a whole routine to it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was cool. It gave the group thing, you know, to stick with. And even at the time to kind of chat about, I guess it's just like one element in the process of getting people excited about what you're doing together, but also to, kind of feel comfortable around each other, making people feel comfortable around a lot of new people. What is that like? How's that experience for you? I can always really appreciate when someone is a bit more nervous and you can tell, you know, this is such a huge leap outside their comfort zone and seeing them like really grow and discover like this confidence about themselves and integrate with the group. And I love seeing that. I love, I love watching that and the group, you know, involving them and stuff. And you can tell maybe back home, they struggle to find those friendship groups. And this is, this is something really new to them you always get maybe one or two on a trip and you know that's i think a lot more special than those big you know extrovert personalities that this is a really fun time for them and this is easy it's those shy quiet wallflowers and you just get to see them like being drawn out of their shell it's just little things it might be they took a really good photo they remember remember the dance song it could be little things it just makes a big difference and what types of things do people come on sort of trips for? Like, what do you sort of notice that people look for in these kind of trips? I think there's quite a different category for each person booking a trip. A lot of them have just come out of a relationship. I find that that's a big one where, you know, maybe they weren't able to travel because, um, you know, having a partner does tie you down in a sense. And so usually once people are single, they discover the world and they're like, well, I'm just going to go overseas now. I don't have to wait for someone else to get time off. I don't have to. So you get those people who are trying to find them as a solo person again, where they're being attached to someone. So they're trying to find themselves, which I think is really cool to watch. You get people who are just like through caution to the wind and they're like, yeah, I booked this four days ago and they're just up for anything. You get some people who are the very type A personalities who like everything planned out. And that's why this is good for them because every single day, 
five hour, there's plans. And you can see that they're a little bit relieved that they're not the ones that have to control this. So they're relinquishing their power to let someone else, you know, run the day. And you can see a bit of a weight taken off them. They're like, oh, okay, everything's organized and I can just enjoy the trip. So you get quite a few different personalities and reasons. And then, yeah, there's just some oddballs that always join the mix and they have random reasons, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Is there uh, any strangest reason you've seen someone come on a trip for? Um, I do remember it's the funniest. Uh, this guy actually didn't even know he was on the trip. Um, his friend <laughs> had booked the trip. Um, it was wild because at my first day meeting, I say, you know, welcome to Thailand. And he just slammed the table down and he goes, oh, that's where we are. I thought he was joking. Now, the boys had been drinking a few beers and they were a little bit, they weren't drunk, but they were definitely tipsy. And I was like, did you really not know you were in Thailand? He goes, no, my friend booked this last week, but he just packed a bag for me and we left for the airport last night and now we're here. He's like, I was drunk on the plane, so I had no idea where we landed. And what am I here for? I'm like, you're on a 16 day tour with me. He's like, 16 days? He had no idea, no clue at all. Um, yeah. And it was just his friend was like, you know what, I thought it'd be funny. He's like, it's a prank, but it's a good prank. I'm like, it's a great prank. I wish someone would like just randomly book me on a trip. That would be great. So yeah, he had no clue. He was even going to be on the Kentucky trip. He had no clue he was going to be in Thailand or Laos or Cambodia. He had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's... So that was pretty funny. And he had a great time? He had a great time. He actually just had a baby last month. This was a while ago. This was in 2018. But yeah, he just had a baby. So he's growing up. Oh my gosh. Ooh. And what sort of experiences do you find the most you know, valuable and memorable on these sorts of trips? I think um, there's a few of them. I think meeting our local guides is always a really bonding experience. Like I always say, I know the facts, I know the history, but I've studied it. I haven't lived it. I haven't experienced it through generations. Whereas our local guides are beautiful and that sense where they're telling stories of their country through their voice and that's why I like to spotlight them. I find it's a really good connection for travelers to build for the country and if they have you know really unique questions sometimes I don't know them and I can always be like you know what that is a great question for Kami or Taya or Al or whoever I have um, and just pass it off to them. But I also think you know especially in Laos I find Laos is probably the most powerful for people because people don't know about Laos and talking about what happened over there with the secret war and also seeing the beauty of it, it really shocks people. And I think that's a really powerful thing is just getting people aware of what's happened in Asia because it does get forgotten about a lot in the history books. When you travel, you know, we get the sense of got a good feel of all the world's history, but there's such cool little pockets of history sitting everywhere. It's kind of mm. waiting to be found, like little Easter eggs. I actually think Laos is my, my favorite place on the whole trip, actually. But it's interesting because at the start, if you ask people, do you know Laos or are you here for Laos? You know, most people will be like, no, it was just kind of part of the trip while we in that part of the world or whatever. But I think a lot of people loved it. I think that's the difference when you're on the ground is that you re realize there's a lot of really cool, valuable experiences and really interesting places with beautiful people that aren't necessarily highlighted in the typical meter or on the typical itineraries. And to find those things and experience them just kind of makes you feel like, wow, there's so much out there in the world. Yeah, I love this. So the people are great. The outdoors, is, it's beautiful and the history is deep. To most people, if you ask them about it, they, they wouldn't have too many things they could say. Yeah, and I think, you know, before trip, usually sometimes I get the question of why do we spend so long in Laos? I thought we'd spend longer in Cambodia. I'm like, you'll want to spend longer in Laos. It's just a, a place that, you know, it doesn't have much 
power in the world. So people don't really give it much mind. And that's what I really find cool is again with the group travel is if you solo travel, you just, you can fall into the sense of being lazy. We're like, I'm just going to sleep in. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, it's too far out. When you're on the group travel, you're like, we are going, we're doing this. And it kind of forces you to just experience. And then you're like, Oh, that was actually really cool. I'm glad we got up early. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad I did that hike. It does push you a little bit further because I know when I'm solo traveling, sometimes I'm, <laughs> I love a good sleep in and then I miss something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You get that little bit of an extra push of, well, you know, I'm here now and I signed up for these things and these things are on and you know, other people that I'm getting to know are doing them. And I want to be able to have, spend more time with the people around me. They those kind of relationships it's kind of does get you to push your boundaries a bit and try things it's almost kind of an art of balancing the right combination of things on an itinerary when you have such a broad crowd to the point where everyone still enjoys everything and even feels that they benefited because they tried things that they wouldn't have necessarily done on their own how does that kind of juggling game feels it's always a juggle it's definitely the hardest part of the job where you know you're trying to balance out as i said you get the party animals but you get people who are really into culture you don't want every day to be a party i try to make sure you know we might have a big party night and then the next day we we don't so i try to ebb and flow it a little bit but each tour manager runs their trips differently i like to give it a balance because i'm not i'm not a big drinker so i go with what the group is feeling but i definitely don't want people to just think it's like a party party trip. There's definitely trips catered to that, like the Thai island hoppers or the Greek island hoppers, Croatia sail. Those ones are great for like partying, experiencing a bit of culture, but mainly there to meet people, have fun. But these trips, like the Asian adventure and that you were on, I do try to make sure that people aren't missing the elements of what is unique over there. It is a fine balance of trying to figure out the niche of everyone's interest. Uh, some people are very active and they want to do all the, the big hikes and the, and the kind and you know all the kind of adrenaline stuff or you know physically exerting and you have some other people who just want to sit by the pool and have a margarita so making sure I have everything in balance where I can send off people to do the hike and I can be like you know what and this is a great rooftop pool you can go to so it's just finding things for everyone yeah you're constantly in work mode where you're making sure everyone has something to do that day I mean I really appreciated that when even if you weren't going to do the pre-assigned thing or even just in free time you get gave us all these lovely suggestions. Hey, great places to eat. Or hey, try this activity if you get some time. Or hey, you know, if you don't feel like joining that, hey, there's a list of things to do. And that gives you a nice agency and almost just your reassurance of like, I'm sure I'll have a good time. And these things are things I've tried and tested because believe me, there's plenty of places that I have tried and tested and has not been great. So I make sure whenever I put those lists together, they're, they're from my personal archive of what I've done. Cause yeah, sometimes you see things on social media and I'm like, let's go check it out. And it's turned out to be rubbish. <laughs> so it's just that that's part of my job as well is to make sure what I'm recommending will have value. It isn't just, you know, good for social media. It actually is good in person. So yeah, it, it's a lot of research to make sure that everyone has something that's going to make them happy. Do you think the age element is a its own thing to navigate? I know tickies and group travel trips can have quite a varied age. They do make practical efforts to keep it in a relative bracket of 
1835-ish, but do you find that's an issue or this creates a unique dynamic? What are your thoughts around that? I definitely think 18 to 35 is a good bracket. My last group I just finished with were a lot younger. They were around the probably 19 to 23, which is a young group. Whereas I find for Asian adventure, I get more so like mid to late 20s, early 30s. Myself as a trip manager, I would really struggle if I had an all age bracket where you have like a family and then might have like an eight year old child. You have some, you know, early 20 year olds that just want to party. And then you have some people in their 70s that are just looking to relax or have just cultural stuff. That is a hard balance. And I really respect those tour leaders that can run those types of trips because that is a lot to try to put together for different demographics. I think 18 to 35 works. The Europe trips tend to get a little bit of a younger crowd. Asia pulls more mid-range, I would say. Different age groups sort of tend towards different areas of the world. Do you find there sometimes gets kind of a split or people just kind of like merge their sort of experiences together or dynamics? So, do you know what I mean? Do people stick with their age group? Do they intermingle? Do the activities become sort of focused because of it? It depends. I mean, I sometimes get the people in their 30s and they'll click together and you know they'll label themselves the grandmas or grandpas of the group um, but usually in a funny way I find they sometimes will go out and party harder than the younger people because they have the experience of alright we know what time we need to get up we know how to combat a hangover because sometimes the younger travelers don't have that experience yet but I find for the most part it doesn't click up too bad with ages nothing that really is super distinct unless like that person is making it an issue where they want to be known as they are the oldest or they are the youngest and they want that kind of attention for it. But that is a personal thing. It's not usually a group. What sets Kentucky apart as a company and how does it overall enhance a group travel experience? I mean, Kentucky's been around since 1962. It's like an OG in the game. <laughs> it knows what it's doing. It actually um, transformed over the years where right now we're trying to be net zero as well. So we're aiming to be net zero by 2030. We were going for zero carbon emissions, but we're actually going to overshoot that, which is good. So they're trying to be as sustainable as possible as a tourism company, developing with what the world needs right now. Along with that, it's also at the forefront of ethical animal treatment. So we're really making sure that we work with a company called TreadRight. They're like our ethical big sister. They kind of look at elements of each place or add-on or anything that we do or see that involves people or animals or the environment and make sure that whatever we're doing there isn't going to harmfully impact it. And they also research places that will have a positive impact on animals, people, or the environment. I really respect Kentucky for looking at the way the world is and where tourism is headed and what it should be in and they're really driving that force and hopefully the other companies behind us will follow. My experience has been very good and as you said there's a great dream of advocacy for it. I recommend it myself. And then in this Kentucky sort of ecosystem you're a tour manager and what does that role entail and what is it like being in that role? It's definitely a tough role. It's not for everyone. We're actually just about to have our new trainees come in in September. I'll be training a few of them. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how they go. But it's a tough gig. We are pretty much in the battlegrounds. We're like the infantry in the front lines. But we are the ones that are the face of the company usually because, you know, everyone else has booked online or through a travel agent, through emails. And then we're the first representative in person. So our job is 
so diverse. You're everything from, you know, an event organizer to um, a history teacher to just corralling people, the party starter. You have to be the most enthusiastic, happiest on trip ever. You have to get life into people. You have to get people engaged, interested, sometimes a therapist. Um, <laughs> so you're, you are everything all at once. It, it's just a balance of making sure you don't burn yourself out. And yeah, the office, they trust us on the road. They've trained us well enough that when we are on the road, we got it. We can sort out issues and make sure guests are where they should be and everyone's having a good time. And in this role, have there been any sort of very kind of memorable sort of moments with the, the people or the travels that you'd like to highlight? I mean, we've definitely I've had every crazy scenario that you don't prepare for. You know, training can prepare you so much and then you get into a situation like, oh my gosh, I never thought this would happen. Um, I've had train tracks flooded out and trains turned around at 2 a.m. and trying to scramble to find out where we're going to stay that night. I've had landslides in Laos. I've had people be each other up i've had like all sorts but it's all made me a better trip manager because now when things come up i'm like you know what i've had worse i can handle this there's a lot of specifics but yeah those are just a few (laughs) yeah can you think of a time that was particularly like a challenge that as you worked through it and got through it you feel like you developed a lot as a tour manager yeah, I do tell the story quite often where um, I was in Cambodia in Phnom Penh, which is a beautiful city, but does have a little bit of um, historical strife just because of the Khmer Rouge and it's still rebuilding. And I had two of my travelers hire a prostitute that evening, did not pay for the girl. And then the Cambodian pimp came to the lobby and was threatening the staff and it got quite messy. I had to get involved. The two travelers were nowhere to be found and I had to deal with the Cambodian him threatening me with a crowbar and I just oh thought God. I was like there's no other job that you know you you get to deal with a Cambodian pimp throwing a crowbar in your face and demanding uh, money I mean I handled it I was able to get a resolve but I just thought like I don't know what kind of training they could have even thrown at me for me to get to that position of there was nothing that could have prepared me but I managed to handle it and then I thought you know what I can take on a Cambodian pimp I'm good <laughs> <laughs> take on a Cambodian pimp you can take on the world exactly right <laughs> yeah that's not something that typically appears on a job description right no usually doesn't no <laughs> have you sort of had to learn things on the ground that initially you wouldn't have thought you had to you know those in experience i would say um in training like they'll throw scenarios at you and you know they're going to test your knowledge on things but every group every individual is so different i've had to deal with someone in extreme psychosis where she thought that she was about to be attacked by the Chinese military. And like, I'm not a trained therapist, but trying to talk someone out of that is is extreme for anyone. And then you just have people who are really homesick sometimes and, you know, trying to deal with their homesickness while everyone else is having a great time. And you're trying to balance making sure everyone else is still really happy and, you know, partying and then dealing with someone who's quite emotional. You have to have a range all the time of registering where everyone is. And a moment that brought you, you know, great satisfaction in your in your role oh god there's so many it is actually just seeing people connect there is something so beautiful i don't know if people will realize it when they're on my trips but that first day and i'm just looking at everyone and i'm like oh 
I can't wait for the final dinner where you guys are all now no longer strangers and just watching the little connections form with people and sometimes the surprising connections. Seeing couples get together, I've had a proposal on trip. You know, it's just those little things. Of, it is just actually the people connection. I've had people who have, you know, been their dream to visit this one specific place for years of their life and seeing them have these wonderful moments where you can tell that they've reached a goal, like that was a goal in their life. And just being a part of that is the most amazing feeling. And I get to do that quite often. How do you sort of aid Paul when you see they've got these goals that they're sort of seeking on the travel? I always tell them like, oh, you've given me a quest. I love it. When people wish me like, oh, I've been wanting to see this. For, I'm like, I know exactly where that is. This is a time that you can do it. This is how you can get there. Let me get you a car. Like, I love when there's little quests. I even had a guy who was obsessed with banana bread. Um, <laughs> so it's random things. Um, he had actually... Yeah, very specific. He was like, I need to find banana bread in the countries that we go to. And I was like, it's not really a thing here. I was like, but you know what? That's a quest because he had a banana bread blog. And I went out of my way to find banana bread every city we went to so he could rate it. And it just became this fun thing. It's just small little things, but sometimes they're bigger. I think it must have been quite meaningful, you know, him trip where he got to do the banana bread journey. You know, everyone for themselves. Yeah, it was great. It's something that <laughs> really brings the best out of them. Have you sort of noticed a very transformative journey that someone on your trip went through? You're like, wow, you know, they started here and they got here and that's really cool. Yeah, I've even had people quit their jobs mid-trip to live out in Asia because they're just like, this is where I'm meant to be. And like, I ask them, like, don't ever tell or ask me to give you advice because I will tell you to do the thing that your mom will hate me for. Just quit your job, live overseas, have a great time. But yeah, I've had a few people who have left jobs um, because they just realized how unhappy they were. I've had people leave relationships or get into relationships when they get back home because they realized they were talking to someone but never made that leap. And now they're like, you know what? I, I feel good within myself. I think, I think I'm going to give it a go. Or people go back home and they realize there's more out there and that their relationship isn't fulfilling. You see big life changes in people. A lot of people move after they come off trip. They realize they can travel more and it's not as scary. So yeah, big life changes. There are, you know, for you, that kind of big life change moment. I remember you saying a story where someone said something to you where you had part in your career and that sort of resulted in proactive change. I mean, before I took Kentucky, I was working in insurance claims and I was up for promotion. And at the same time, I was applying for the police force in Australia. And I just felt like, all right, this is, this is what I should be doing. You know, this is a good path. It's a good career options, pretty secure. And then when I went on the Kentucky trip and I just felt so connected to everything. And I remember talking to the trip manager. This is my second Kentucky trip in Asia. She's like, you should just do this. For the life of me, I was like, there's no way. I was like, I like, you know, having my comforts. I have a very set routine. You know, I like my little bubble. And then I got back home. And I was like, am I really happy though? Am I really happy with this? Or is it just what I think that I should be doing? And I sat down and really had a heart to heart with myself. And I thought, I'm comfortable. I'm not happy, but I'm comfortable. I was like, maybe I need to get outside my comfort zone to find that happiness. And I did. Really glad you did. No, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're having a great time with it. And I think you have quite a big impact on the people. Those kind of big moments happen. Clearly, you know, you an experience that's not just, you know, I did a 
thing. It's experience that maybe rattles the, the norm and you people have to think on it. Yeah. So and that's what really, I want. I want people to be shaken up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so are there nice techniques for, you know, you've got this group and you want to create shared experiences and good group dynamics and lasting memories and friendships to cultivate these sort of notions? I think it is just finding moments where everyone can get together and have a really unique shared experience. I mean, I'm using one from your trip is going to like Kami's restaurant or, you know, going on a hike together, partying at Sugar Mama's in Kinchanaburi and everyone having way too many buckets. It's finding those really like funny little moments where everyone is just together, not caring about what you look like, you know, what you're wearing. Like you're just having a fun, silly moment. And you'll find that those are probably the most impactful. It's not like, you know, you go to these big nightclubs back home and everyone's done their makeup up and everyone's wearing nice press shirts. And like you're just wearing something sweaty. Your hair is a mess. No one cares, but you're just in this wonderful little element all together and just having a great laugh and being silly. You'll find that those are the best moments to bond. You make me think of sugar mamas <laughs> at that bar and that was is a great example of great time I had she was quite a character it was a whole vibe and we played these crazy games karaoke and very very memorable quite a character she is <laughs> I'll be seeing her in a few days I can't wait <laughs> amazing I also remember the cabaret show in the Thailand, Bangkok. Oh, yeah, you saw. made a feature. Yeah, yeah I got to feature. <laughs> yeah, because it was on my birthday just by chance. And seeing the lady boys, you know, form in their kind of very extravagant, kind of beautiful outfits. A very different show. Not, not a show I'm going to see back at home. Anything like that. It's totally different. <laughs> no, no. And yeah, I think, you know, people might be scared of those kind of shows before because they think maybe it's like a ping pong show or it's like quite, like it's risque, but it just flirts with that line. It's just, it, everyone's just having a good laugh it's just so much fun everyone's dancing along and you know you got up there and just seeing you throw your inhibitions out the window and get involved is great I love it well maybe it was a good point to get me out of my comfort zone a bit yeah I don't think you'll be wearing a dress anytime soon again maybe <laughs> that was good if I was on my own I may have not found some experience like that you know or even just having yeah. people who support you in that experience be like oh no you know go up oh, you know, that was cool. Or, you know, chat about it afterwards and kind of being able to share that with people, but also feel supported. Yeah, and everyone in the audience, like our whole group are just like cheering you on and yelling your name. And it's just like, that's again, like a really cool thing. You didn't know these people beforehand. And then all of a sudden, they're just like your biggest cheerleaders. being like, yeah, Steven. Um, it was great. It was great being in the audience and watching that happen. There's little things, you know, not feeling so alone in this big, scary, different place. And also just feeling comfortable doing things and feeling safe. This must be an element of sort of trust in a group. Things like, cool, we need to meet here at this time. Or, you know, if, if you guys do that activity, maybe there's inherent risk or people can get lost. And what do you feel like the role of trust in a trip experience when you have to handle scenarios that don't quite go according to plan? I have definitely developed better skills on handling these situations as I've become a trip manager throughout the years. In the first year, I was very much like, no, you guys all have to do the things that, you know, I'm organized because I can trust them. I know what's going on. And when people were late, I was always like chasing them up because I was like, oh, I can't leave them behind. But as I've grown as a trip manager, 
everyone's an adult who joins the trip. They're all adults. They can make their own choices. I can give them my advice, my information. They want to listen to it. They can. It's no skin off my nose if they decide not to. I don't personally get affected by that. If people were late for departures, they know what time they need to be there. They have watches. They have alarm clocks. They have phones. They have the day sheets. I've told them in person. If they are late, it is their responsibility. I'm not their mother, and this is not a school trip, and I never want to treat it like that. I'll always chase them up just to make sure, you know, they are okay. But if they're like, oh, I'll be down in 20 minutes. I'm running late. I'll be like, okay, well, we're going to go. You can meet us there. So it's just finding that confidence of respecting everyone as an adult on trip. If something's like quite dangerous and they're like, I want to go skydiving here. And I'm like, eh, that's a probably not a good place. I'm going to probably give you a little bit more of my stern advice and just be like, listen, it is quite dangerous here. I would wait to maybe until you're in like these certain other locations, but here is not a safe place. That is my advice. I can't control people. Yeah. Of course, if they do drugs or anything that's really going to be illegal and in harm's way, that's when I have to forcibly step in and be like, that's the end of your trip. Yeah, those sort of hard lines that you enforce. Yeah, on trips, there's challenges from both an individual and even from the management side. So what are some of the challenges that have kind of arised and maybe can talk into how those were handled? I am sure I would have told you this story as well is, um, you know, I had two girls in Vietnam right after Kickstart, which is our first day meeting. Both of them, I believe, I don't know for sure, I can't prove it. I believe that they were on some sort of drugs and they ended up getting into a very physical altercation. It was quite bad, probably one of the worst fights I've ever seen. And at this time, it's about two in the morning. So the offices in Bangkok are closed. The Sydney office isn't open yet. So I'm pretty much stuck dealing with two very, very angry girls who aren't in the best place, who are both physically hurt, very upset, and I'm trying to diffuse the situation, de-escalate it, and then also make sure they're okay. You know, these are situations that you just have to really think on the fly and be like, okay, A, medically what can i do can i you know do they need to go to hospital do they need doctors okay no we're good all right how do i get this resolved and where do i put these girls now because they can't stay there but also that is the end of their trip physical altercations are not allowed on kentucky tours if you physically or verbally assault anyone that's end of your trip bullying harassment you know those are hard lines that's where it's really hard for me because i never want to be someone that ruins another person's like holiday and plans and that's tough telling someone that, you know, the trip that they've booked is now over with us. Like they can still obviously travel, but like everything that they paid for is gone. Those do go to higher up. I definitely make sure to pass that through management because I'd, I'm not the be all end all call on that type of removal. Those are big calls. Those two girls were removed from trip and luckily they were both reasonably unharmed, very minor. But it was just sad. It kind of put a weird start to the group where the group were a bit confused about what happened. There was a lot of drama in the very beginning, and they're probably thinking, oh, my God, what did I sign up to? But it had an also good benefit of it bonded everyone. Very quickly, everyone had something to talk about, and everyone bonded over that, which I guess worked to help. It was a very good group. Otherwise, a very fun group. <laughs> it was a hard start. <laughs> No. And on these trips, you know, you meet like lots of different faces, lots of different people. Have any people that stick to mind been very, maybe very memorable or maybe very enjoyable? You know, like 
that have come through? Yeah, there's honestly so many. I would not be even able to list all them. I mean, I still remember one girl who I still keep up with and she had somehow slipped through the system and she was 36. And I remember I looked at her passport and she just looked at me straight in the face and said, you can't do anything now. I'm on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> and she turned out to be an absolute life of the party. And I still keep in touch with her to this day. And this was back in 2019. And you meet these characters that just absolutely bring up the trip. You usually get one or two on a trip and they're just a memorable character on there. And it's so much fun to see them. And a lot of my travelers I still keep in touch with, actually. I was talking to a few of them this morning, even. One girl is about to book another trip with me. This will be her third trip with me in September. She just asks, like, when are you running a trip? And then she books on just because I'm running it and it's a new trip for her, which is very cool and I love it. And, you know, I've met someone who grew up with the Queen, someone who used to work for Jay-Z and wanted to dance off with Beyonce say. I mean, you meet these amazing characters and they all have different walks of lives and honestly like yeah there's so many incredible people I've met I'm so lucky these trips also it's the people and then it's also the experiences what are some of the kind of big highlights in the type of trips you run that people could look forward to experiences that are kind of ones that you're like wow you know that's just a really cool thing for somebody to go through yeah I think one of the weird ones that people don't really think about until after leading up to it people are hesitant is the slow boat which we go on between Thailand and Laos which people don't really conceptualize what it is beforehand and I know you were on it so I'm interested to see how you feel but I think it's such a really cool moment where we're on a family's houseboat and no matter how much I describe it no one can picture it until they go on it and we're on it for two days where we're just on this the Mekong River floating down no current you're seeing the beautiful mountains between Thailand and Laos the family's cooking for us we get to sit around we play music we play games we talk everyone gets a little bit deeper on the boat because you know you're not on your phones there's nothing else to do you can't go anywhere so everyone's just involved in each other and it's really cool to watch that and i think that's always a surprising one for people until it happens when i talk about how cool the slow boat is <laughs> i really enjoyed it the thing that was interesting about the slow boat is that i'm quite adverse to the idea of ooh long slow trips on something and so we're like oh we're gonna be on that boat for like you know that long that's forever man we just want to get back to the action and stuff but then you kind of realize that trip itself is almost one of the highlights of the whole experience i found it interesting because lots is happening we're doing lots of things everyone's trying to get to know everyone but it's quite early days and quite rapid paced and so you haven't quite got to know people as far as relative to how it looked at the end and so it's kind of like this fast you know busy 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 lots of uncertainty and then it's like boom slow down okay cool. now you can just appreciate the nature the beautiful views the river and just the local boats going past and in a good way like sort of stuck with people you're like we've got time to burn you know we're all here i need to you know use this time effectively and so i'm gonna go have a chat with you know some of this person and then i have a chat to that person and so it's such a nice opportunity to slow down a bit just put time dedicated into just getting to know the people fostering those relationships catching up and reminiscing on the memories you've had so far and you play some games together and you have a bit of fun 
So I thought it was great. I think it was very good for the group. Yeah. And as you said, you know, sometimes it is boom out the gate and you were go, 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 go. And that trip on the slow boat forces everyone to just be like, all right, let's take a moment. Let's reset. Let's calm a little bit. And that's when everyone kind of bonds a bit more. And it, it, it is just, it's beautiful scenery and everything. We used to fly from Chiang Mai over to Lhasa Bang, and you just miss all that. I mean, yeah, it's way quicker to fly, but you're missing a huge element of what travel is. And that is, you know, meeting the locals, talking to fellow travelers, taking the moment to slow down, which I think is really necessary. Yeah, it's the combination of the things. Everything's important in a way, right? I mean, even staying at the little tiny town of Pakbang, um, and there's just one bar down the road called Happy Bar. And it's just a weird place. And then all of a sudden, everyone just remembers this tiny little town, staying at a guest house and drinking their first shot of Lao Lao, which they may regret, but... <laughs> I must say, I really liked the jungle hotels in Thailand. Yeah, in Kanchanaburi. Yeah. So I think those, we have some really unique special stays, which, you know, we have in the south of Thailand, we have in the north of Thailand, but we're completely off the grid. You know, there's no electricity, there's no power. We're in the middle of a jungle and you just have like little torches, just lanterns that are given to you. And it's so peaceful out there. And it's funny because some people will stay up and have like a wild night. Other people at about eight o'clock, they knock out because there's no blue light around them. They're naturally going to sleep with their bodies like cathartic rhythm. And you just hear the water rush past and they're on floating bungalows. So there's a gentle, very subtle rocking as well, which just rocks you to sleep. And it's just a very unique stay. And then at breakfast, you get to meet a lovely lady named Wendy. who's an elephant. It's a Mon Hill tribe village that runs the hotel, a small ethnic hill tribe group and they, they have an elephant that helps them out within their community and she comes down for breakfast with us. So it's everyone's first experience usually with an elephant. So let's go into the responsibilities and your role. I think there is an it factor. Uh, you definitely know if someone has it. All of us trip managers are very, very different personalities, but all of us have an it factor to us. And it is just this spark which we can ignite in other people. It's very hard to like describe because it is something you just know. But in this job, you have to be extremely organized. You just imagine organizing like a weekend getaway with 10 of your close friends. That's hard work in itself. You are doing this now with like upwards of 30 strangers, sometimes for 27 days. You know, you have to constantly manage expectations. You have to be super organized, but at the same time, extremely flexible because weather conditions can change things. I recently just had how long they um, canceled for a typhoon. So, you know, you, you can't have everything rigid. It has to be flexible. You have to roll with the punches. You are dealing with crazy different personalities. You have to make sure you are not keeping the trip the same. It is a group trip. It is for the individuals on it. It's not your trip. So you have to constantly make sure it's fresh. It's relevant to the group. You know, you're always doing research on new things. I did a new paper on how Barbie is banned in Vietnam. You know, it's just keeping up with current news, what's going on in the social media world. Uh, TikTok has even like been a huge part of my job recently because coming back from COVID, everyone had TikTok and there's a lot of things on travel on TikTok now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to keep up with everything that's shown there for when travelers come over and they're saying, oh, I saw this. Where is it? How do I get there? How much is it? Is it worth it? And I have to know this. Always being on top of your stuff, making sure that you are 
at the forefront of your industry, knowing all your information, keeping up to date, extremely organized, being flexible, just making sure that you might be having a bad day, but the traveler should never know that. You're able to leave your shit to the side, so to say. Yeah, always bring your best self. Yeah. And your your signs of a successful tour? You get a feeling at the end of the tour when it's wrapping up, people aren't ready to go in a way that, like they might be ready to like go home because they miss family and friends, but like you can see that they're all like, oh no, this is ending. This is over. It's an energy that you feel in the group and you know that you've given them something unique where they're going to cherish this forever. You can just tell where that energy sits, where everyone is lost dinners or something. And, you know, there might be a few tears or people organizing when they're going to see each other next. And that's success for me where people are leaving fulfilled, but wanting more. It's just ends and you're almost excited to come back. So Dickie's a big group there's lots of different trips would you say that different trips and different tour managers sort of create quite different experiences what does it feel like to navigate the Kentucky realm like what trip should I do who should I do it with or what region of your case different Asia and stuff how do you decide what's what in that sphere I mean I I'm going to speak on Asia a little bit more because it's my real house all of its trip managers as I said are very very different to each other you could have the same trip with a different trip manager and it'll be different in saying that though every trip manager we have right now are so solid they are an amazing team like there's not one that I'll be like oh like they're okay all of them are amazing like they bring such a beautiful unique element to each trip and i think that's what's so exciting i couldn't say anyone does a bad job at all which is great to work with such a cool team and we all share information and we're like hey i checked out this new place you should go here so we're always sharing collective information or if there's something that's out of our element like if someone's really into fishing or something which i'm not i would ask one of the other trip managers who could be like oh this is a great spot this is somewhere unique fish are so we all collectively work together and i think the region for Asia I would say is for people who are interested in, you know, more of a culture shock, who want more of the history, who want, you know, really good food and want that party element is not solely based on partying. I think the Thai island hoppers are great for partying. You have the full moon parties, you have PP islands, you have boat cruises. So you're going to get those like outside beach days, beach full moon parties that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Asia has everything for everyone, which I think is great. And each region specializes in something like, I would look at, if you want more go-go, check what how many days the trip runs and how many places you go. If it's like a 25-day tour and they go to 28 places, you know it's gonna be very fast-paced. So you want to make sure if you're not into that, don't book those kind of trips. If you want to see and do as much as you can, that's a great trip for you. On the website, you can always see how many places, how many days. And even on the website, there's like reviews and stuff you can read. But if you contact the team, like the sales team are really good. If you're like, this is the kind of vibe I want, they'll tell you what region, what trips will be good for you. So looking at the countries that you sort of do tours through, if you had to summarize a little bit of like, what is to be found here and here in sense of what is the draw of that area or what's the draw of that? So what are the sort of flavors that are around? For Thailand, you're going to be looking at more, I think, holistically it's 
got amazing food and culture. You're going to get the unique dishes. You're going to get tons of cheap food. There's great shopping. You're going to have those animal experiences where you know you're not harming any animals. We get to go see um, beautiful elephant rescues, which we know have been tried and tested to make sure they are reputable. You get really unique stays. You can even do a total Thailand trip, which is both north and south, which I think is a great trip. It has so much encompassed in it. You have the fast pace in the north, and then the south is more a slower paced, more nature, which I think is cool. Laos, I think, is just going to surprise everyone. You can do the Cambodia and Laos Uncovered as one trip, or you can do an Asian adventure, which is what I would recommend, which is northern Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia. Laos is so peaceful. It's the home of Buddhism. It's got gorgeous temples. The people are beyond sweet and kind. Um, beautiful nature, beautiful sceneries. Bang, bang, you get your party scene. <laughs> so it does have a balance there. In Cambodia, we don't spend as long there, but you're going to be seeing like the iconic Angkor Wat. You're going to be learning a lot about its history with the Khmer Rouge. So it's a very much sightseeing and historical place for us. And Vietnam, I think, is an everything trip. Every city we go to, has something completely different to offer. You have homestays that you stay with the local family and you have to catch your own dinner. When you go on local bike rides around the village, you go to Nha Trang and you party on you know, the beaches and you experience mud baths. You have Hoi An, which is iconic for its beautiful lanterns, its shopping, its food. If you can fit five meals in a day, that's what you want there. <laughs> Eat everything in Hoi An. You have the history in Hue. You have you know Hanoi, which is a capital. It's a bustling city. And then you have Ha Long Bay, which is just just a beautiful limestone cast and junk boats and usually a gorgeous sunset there. So it has elements of everything. Malaysia we've just completely redone. So that's a really cool trip now where we're experiencing a lot more of the local culture and getting outside the cities a bit more. Japan is full of history. I think Japan, there's a few trip, few different ones to run. With Japan, you have to understand that it is a harder country to do group activities because Japan runs very small restaurants and bars that sometimes only fit about five or six people. So when a group of like 30 Westerners come in, uh, we're not exactly able to fit. We manage a lot of free time there, but you are going to get a lot of you know ninja, samurai, emperor history. You're going to see insane temples, crazy nightlife in Harajuku and Shibuya and all the high tech. We go on the bullet train, the Shinkansen. It's got elements of like the old and new all throughout the trip, which is really cool. Favorite culinary experiences? I'm a sucker. I have two of my favorite culinary dishes. One's in the north, which is cow soy. Um, so it's like a yellow curry that has egg noodles throughout. And then they put crispy noodles on top with a chicken drumstick in there. And you squeeze fresh lime on there. You can add coriander, chili, onion, anything you want into there to boost up the flavors. But it's a northern Isan dish that's just beautiful. Love it. And then my other one would be cow lao in Hoi An, which is a unique dish only served in Hoi An from an ancient um, well. It's called the Bali Well. And the waters in there create the, the rice noodles that they make. And they're thick and chewy rice noodles. And you get it with a beautiful slice of pork. You get crispy rice crackers in it. I usually put a bit of fresh chili in there. It's amazing. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. And for those more outdoorsy sort of people, what are sort of the favorite things to see out in the nature? I definitely think when we do like Erewhon waterfalls and Kwangsi waterfalls, you know, that is just gorgeous waterfalls that you can go see. Um, Erewhon has seven different waterfalls. 
canals. So if you know you don't enjoy one, you can go check out the other six. Um, they have natural water slides in them. Kwang Sea is just a stunning waterfall with like crystal blue waters. It's probably the most perfect waterfall I've seen. And then in Laos as well, you can also check out the really beautiful hike as well. I think you did the hike too, didn't you, Stephen? With the motorcycle at the top. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a hard hike, but absolutely stunning views and really unique. So you can definitely do the adventure side of things anywhere, really. Uh, sometimes groups don't want to. Sometimes some groups are super active. So we just cater to each, each person. There any sort of moments where there was that cultural shock or unusual thing in, in the South sort of Asian countries that really caught people off? Sticks out as, well. Wow, that's pretty different. I think the first thing is the toilets. The bum gun and the squat toilets get everyone. I think that's the first kind of, whoa, what are we doing here? You have a spray gun. And then uh, sometimes there's no toilet seat. It's just a, a little hole in the floor. We have to do a deep squat over and do a little prayer. Any other big culture shocks that you can expect on tours? I think it's hard for me now that I've lived over here, but sometimes people um, don't realize that, you know, the beds are harder. It's hot, actually really safe over here. You know, you don't need to be worried about coming here. I think there is that misconception about coming over to Asia that it is dangerous and scary. I've walked around by myself at one, two in the morning, no issues. I've never had any close encounters. Not to say that someone won't have them, but I find it's a lot rarer. There's a lot of misconceptions and I find it's quite safe over here. There is that element of Buddhism where, you know, you, you can't hurt anyone else. It does translate into the community quite well and they look out for you. So yeah, you don't need to be scared coming here. I think people are usually quite surprised by that. I think they, they're a lot more scared before they come. And then after they leave, they realize they didn't need to be. I found it very safe and I found quite comfortable. It is different, but you know, people are nice. And when you're with a group, it helps also. There's little uncertainties yeah. and do's and don'ts of the area. On my trip, everyone came out pretty smooth, right? No one had any big injuries or <laughs> big issues, I don't think. Not from my memory. <laughs> I think we had a smooth ride. It was cool. Looking forward for you, you know, this passion for travel and tour managing. Where do you see that going? It's hard to say just because I used to have my life so planned out to a T. I had my five year and 10 year plans and having this job made me realize that those plans don't actually matter, that I just need to go with wherever my heart is leading me at that moment. I don't imagine I can be on the road much longer. It is very hard emotionally, mentally, physically, just everything. It does take a toll and I'm getting older. So I will transition out maybe in a year or so, possibly within tourism, just doing something else. But what that is, I'm not too sure yet. I have a feeling when the universe is ready to show me what it will be, it will present itself, which I can't wait for. But, you know, it's going to be a hard job to leave. Uh, not much can top this. People who have at some level on their mind the idea of, hey, maybe I could do that all. Ooh, I wonder what that's like. What, what would you say to those potentially aspiring people in Kentucky? I would say if you're wondering about doing this and you have the inkling, go for it. Because, you know, usually the drawback is when people write their pros and cons, the cons are like, oh, but you know, I won't be around my family or friends. You will be surprised. You might be away for a year, you come back home, nothing has changed. Nothing, I promise you. Some people might've got a promotion in their job or bought a house or, you know, there might've been a wedding. Those are big elements. The day-to-day, -day, they don't change. You are not gonna miss, you know, the Saturday night going out to the club thing. If this is something that you're interested in, 
really think about, okay, what am I doing right now? And am I happy with what I'm doing? If it's not serving you, then change it. I think if you already have that kind of tickle to be like, mm, should I give it a go? Go for it. Like we're not going to take people on that won't survive. We try really hard to make sure that people who are coming through the application process, I think there was over 200 people that applied possibly around that. We've taken 13. So we're going to make sure that if you're going to be giving up essentially your life back in your home country to be over here, living out of a suitcase, taking care of 30 strangers every day, that you're going to be okay, that you're going to be able to manage it. And as tough as training is, which is very tough, it's all to make sure that you are going to be okay on the road and this is the right job for you, that it's not just coming over and you get to party with a few people and travel for free because that is so far from the truth. At the end of the day, it is a job, but a very unique. To someone who's looking at traveling, who hasn't traveled, what would you say to them? I think just book it. Even if you go over somewhere and you travel and you hated it, you hated the food, you hated the people, you hated the place, you will always have something positive when you get back home because you will appreciate your own bed, your own food, everything around around you, you will come back with a new sense of appreciation. So there is no downside to traveling. It is scary because it's always like standing on the edge of a cliff. You just go jump because once you jump, it's amazing. And you're like, oh, I should have just jumped earlier. And you will always look at those videos of people, you know, in the retirement home who are, you know, who are a bit older reflecting back. And so much of their advice is, I wish I had traveled more. I wish I had just gone and done this. I wish I had just been more impulsive. I think there's great things about being, you know, controlled and organized, but whenever you do that impulsive trip, you will see everyone back home be like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have done that. Oh, that looked like so much fun. I wish I should have done that. Everyone will be very envious of you and you be like, cool, I did that. I did that. You will come back really accomplished. It's hard to assign value around it. It's such a, an experience mm. and have such a profound aspect on, on your life. Tips for people who are new travelers in general and maybe even in the regions you travel specifically? I think if you are nervous, a group travel is absolutely fantastic. You know, you're not going to have to worry. You're going to have someone that's looking after you. It's itinerary that's tried, tested and works. And if things go wrong, someone is there to help out. I think, you know, having that, that kind of parachute there is great for you. But also don't be negative. I find that come overseas and in a way they kind of want things to go wrong because they're so used to being in a negative space back home. Just be open to everything. The cultures are different. The people are not wrong in what they have. The food is not bad food or dirty food. It is different. So keeping that open mindset that it is not your world and it is just a different world and just be so appreciative and be like, I get to experience something different. Not try to criticize another culture. So being really open-minded, but also go for everything. You don't know when you're going to be able to come back to this country or this region again. So try everything, go see everything. You know, it might suck waking up at 6am, but you know what? The payoff will be, you get to sleep when you go back home with all of these memories. So be up for everything, be positive, be open-minded. Don't be scared. It's okay. Is there any common mistakes that people may make that they should avoid? I think overpacking, I see that quite often. You know, shopping's cheap here and it's hot. You will not need the jeans. You will not need the jacket. Just pack what you need, the essentials, everything else you can kind of buy here. But also I think just anticipate that it's gonna be hot and it might rain. So bring a fan, 
stay hydrated and just, you know, monitor yourself. But yeah, don't let yourself let the elements get to you because Asia is it's a harsh climate where it is usually in the mid thirties and it does rain. Don't let a rainy season scare you off either. So many people only book when it's non-rainy season where prices are more expensive, things are more packed out. Go in the off season in places because, you know, you can usually get a bit of a discount and it won't be as crowded. And yep, if it rains, have an umbrella or a poncho ready and then you'll be fine. Any other pieces of advice for people who are looking to travel more? I would just say, you know what? Just do it. The money will always come back to you if you're really worried about money. Like as long as you have a job when you get back home, you will get money back. You won't get the experiences again. Sometimes, you know, you don't know what the world has to offer, what's going to happen in your life. COVID being the perfect example. So many people had trips planned during COVID and now they've aged out of Kentucky or they've settled down now or they've had kids and that travel moment is gone for them. We had travel taken away from us. We don't know if that could ever happen again. We don't know your own individual circumstances could change. So don't bank on the fact that you're going to have the freedom to do it later. Do it now. Have you feel like you've learned any good life lessons through this Kentucky travel and, you know, in Asia that have reminisced with you? Yeah, it's just don't let everyone else pressure you into what you should be at in life. I'm 34 now and at 25, I thought I was, should be having a kid and getting married and my life would be very different now. If that's not where you think you should be, don't do it. I think living this very, I call it the lost boys of Neverland, you know, Peter Pan reference. I just live in the moment trying to find little happy moments. And that's, that's good enough for me. I don't need to really worry about what the societal pressures of me are. And I think that's something to be learned from everyone is just find out what you're happy doing. If it is starting a family and selling down, by God, go for it. But if you're feeling like, oh, I feel like, oh no, I should have to. I'm almost this age. If you're saying that, that's not something that's really true to you. So just really sit down, figure out your own path and then don't take life seriously. It's fun. Enjoy it. You know, in life, a lot of people will constantly reinstall the ideas of, you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z. That's what happiness is that's an idea that for some people can maybe be challenging to tackle on because of how normalized it is in fact forcing some of these ideas or things in yourself or pursuing them when it's really not true to yourself it's going to make you unhappy it takes courage to take those steps what would you say is like a big courageous moment in your life and travel journey i've had a few and i don't think i'm courageous i think i'm just impulsive and do things my mother's disdain she fully supports me now but i do things and she's like what are you doing i mean i went to high school in america and then two months after i graduated freshly 18 i moved back to new zealand by myself and then i packed up and moved again with my partner partner to Australia. And then when that failed, I moved back to New Zealand to open up a dance and yoga studio. And then after a year, I decided that I need to change my course, moved back to Australia. And then Kentucky presented itself a few years later. And then I sold everything, packed my little purple suitcase and then moved over to Asia. So I think I, I don't see myself as brave or courageous. I just, I know when I need to shake things up and when I don't feel happy, I can either sit in it and dwell on why I'm not happy and this sucks and I'm in a negative space or I'm like, let's see if this change is going to help. And usually it does. Any last words you'd like to say? I would just say if you're considering traveling, book a trip. It can be with Kentucky, which obviously I'm going to advocate for and I'm biased, but it can be just a trip by yourself or with another country.
company or just go around your own backyard. I think to travel the world is a gift to us. Not everyone is as privileged to be able to travel. And I think it's a disservice to our positions in life if we have the chance to travel and we don't take it. Even just a week, go for it. It might change your life or you might just appreciate what you have back home more. It was really awesome to have you on the podcast. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, thank you so much. It's great to see you and hear from you again. And thanks for having me on. There you have it, fellow adventurers. We've reached the end of another captivating episode. Hope you enjoyed exploring the wonders of group travel with our fantastic guest, Al. And hopefully it sparked a fire within you to embark on your own incredible journey. Remember, travel is not about the places we visit only, but also the people we meet and the perspective we gain along the way. If you loved the episode, don't forget to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at Power of Perspective with Stephen. Thank you.